Oh, it's good to be with you today. Uh, we started something last week that we're going to continue on right now. Uh, you see Clark's up there, and he's going to be setting up the camera for a minute. Uh, we're, we're about to spend some time here in a few weeks on our Mission Sunday. We try to remember every year in particular and make sure that we bring a focus to our world missions. And with that, you know, we got to talking about how so often what we do with the people that we uh, partner with all over the world is we're always asking and going, we want to hear more about what's going on. We want you to tell us about what's happening. And so we oftentimes ask them, so make a video and send it to us. And it's always an encouragement to us to see how God's at work all over the world and that we have a hand in it in some way. We've sown into that and God's doing that. But we don't always know the power of our words and the power of our own encouragement. So what we want to do is we're making some videos to send to them. We want to do something that would be an encouragement to them that would allow us to say, hey, you've got people in Kerrville, Texas who love you, who are praying for you, and who support you. So what we're going to do here in just a second is I'm going to turn, and he's going to get me and all of you, and we're going to tell uh, our folks in Bazua, Ghana, uh, how much we appreciate them and that we love them and that we're praying for them. And I want you to know something before we do. Um, we've got three different places that we're going to be talking about. We have four uh, world mission areas. Three of them right now are experiencing violent persecution for their faith. Violent persecution. I know a lot of times we feel like we're persecuted here. We're not. There are folks all over the world who are suffering uh, violent uh, attacks because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And for us to at least be able to say, we are going to lift you up and pray that God will give you endurance as you suffer for his name, and to be able to tell you there are people on the other side of the world that love you and that are praying for you, uh, it, is a, it is our blessing and our honor uh, to be able to do that. So what we're going to do is I'm going to turn around and I'm going to say hi. You're going to kind of wave. He's going to move the camera around and you're gonna be able, they're going to be able to see this large group of, of believers who are supporting, supporting them. And uh, then I'm going to say a prayer over them, and then we're going to give them just a short blessing. We mentioned this last week. Y'all would do a great job. But what we're going to do is just say, God bless you. We know in this country, oftentimes that's used more for a sneeze than it is an actual thought. Uh, but all over the world, there's a lot of different language barriers, but people tend to understand that. So when I point to you, we're all going to say it together, so we're going to practice once. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. God bless you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Let's do this if we can. Okay, we ready? Hello, Bazua, Ghana. This is Scott Warner and the Kerrville Church of Christ in Kerrville, Texas. And we just wanted to send you this video and to let you know that we are thinking and praying about you, that we love you, that we support you, uh, that we know God is working in powerful ways through the school that is there, through the children that you are teaching about Jesus Christ. And we want to pray over you, and we want to bless you. So uh, if we can, we're going to say this prayer that God will bless your time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the work that you are doing at the academy there in Bazua, Ghana. Lord, we thank you for James Fakor, who is there, who loves you so much and who serves you and who preaches the gospel to the children. Lord, we ask that you would bless those children, that they would come to grow in wisdom and in stature and as disciples of yours. Lord, we ask for protection for them, that you would give them endurance, that you would guard them from persecution, that you would give them the strength to withstand uh, the barbs that Satan may throw at them, and that they would all be drawn closer to you. We love you, Heavenly Father, and we thank you for our brothers there in Ghana. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. 
Amen. And now we would like to give you a blessing. Good job. Good job. Uh, it's a blessing to be able to do that. Thank you for that and for being a part of that. We're hoping, like I said, that that will just be a wonderful blessing to them. And, um, and we're going to do this every week for a little while to make sure that we get everybody covered. Uh, let me tell you a couple other things that are happening. So uh, we just finished our 48 hours of prayer, and like I said, it was, it was amazing. It really was. I was so thrilled to be up here to watch people come out of that room. Uh, moved with stories, all kinds of things. And don't worry, we're going to find more time to share that. That is the role of the, the uh, vision focus team, I want to let you know. Their job is to collect what you prayed about and what you say and then report it back to you and go, here's what you're saying. Here's what God's telling us. This is what this looks like. They're not making any decisions about this church and where we're going. Instead, what they're doing is they are telling you what you've said so that we can share that with one another. So I'm thankful for those servants uh, that are part of that. And uh, we're thrilled for what happened there. Uh, one of the biggest things we heard was, it wasn't enough time, and we need to do this more. So we're going to listen to that, I promise you. And we're going to see what we can do about making sure we do spend more time. And with that, I want to tell you about the next opportunity. We got a new opportunity to spend some time praying again. So uh, we just had uh, individual prayer here at the building. Now what we're going to do is we're going to pray in groups and homes. And let me tell you what we're going to do. I don't know if you were ever part of a progressive dinner. Has anybody ever been part of a progressive dinner? Okay, if you haven't, let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing. What you do is you go to one house, and they provide you uh, salad and something to drink, and you visit with the people that are there, and then you get in your car, and you go to another house, and then they have an appetizer, and you eat there, and then you go to the next house, and there's the main course, and you visit with the people there, and then the next one, you go to another house, and there's dessert, and you get to visit and have that. We're not doing that. <laughs> Sorry, that was the first thing. You go, man, that sounds good. That's a lot of food. We're doing something like that. Okay, we're having a progressive prayer night. So what we'd like to do is see if you would sign up to come, and if you're in a small group and you want to sign up all of your group together, that would be just fine. And then what we're going to do is we're going to open up four different homes, and we're going to put you in four groups. So one group would end up starting at one house, and you would start at another house, and you would start at another house, and you would start at another house, and we're going to spend some time praying together in a certain way. And then when it's time, you're going to shift. You're going to go to that house, you're going to go to that house, you're going to go to that house, and you're going to come over here to this house. And so what will happen is on October 1st, as you can see on the slide there, on October 1st, from 5 to 7.30, you will visit four different homes. At each one of those, there will be a time that is designated and guided for certain types of prayers. So I want to let you know, we're going to have at one house uh, prayers that God would transform us. We're going to have at another house prayers for adoration, just to praise God. At another house, we're going to have prayers that are centered on thanks. And at another house, we're going to have prayers of silence and listening. And so we're excited about this opportunity because we think when we get to do this together, it really, really matters. We get to hear each other's prayers. We get to uh, join in this together uh, and, and share in this. Uh, I want to let you know that um, the folks that are on the team, that are on that focus team, have opened up their homes uh, one of the houses will be uh, Clay and Allison Robertson's home. Uh, the Roses have opened their house. The Wiremans have opened their house. And then Melissa and I would like to invite you to come to our house. And uh, we want to let you know we're excited about that. Uh, after so many prayers that you said for us to finally get a home, uh, we would love it. And you would honor us if you would come and spend some time there and, and pray with us. So I uh, want to let you know that that is going to be October 1st, 5 to 730. There are already sheets out at the hub there for you to sign up. 
and you can sign up your family and just go as a Warner family and there will be six of us or uh, you can sign up your whole care group together if you want to and uh, we'll do the best that we can to put you in groups where you move around but we're excited about this time together okay um, so let's begin the next few weeks we are going to spend talking about the Holy Spirit uh, you know I've been talking about that as we're entering into this time where we go we're asking God to guide us and to lead us and a lot of what I've been saying is to go the Holy Spirit will speak to us and the Holy Spirit will guide us and for a lot of us I know depending on what kind of baggage we carry with the Holy Spirit we don't always know what that means sometimes we look at that and you go okay you need to explain to me what you're talking about there and I'll tell you for me if you were like me I grew up in our brotherhood uh, a long time ago over in East Texas and I didn't hear many sermons and preaching on the Holy Spirit I do remember my father who was a preacher saying one time that there's a lot of our folks that are more afraid of the Holy Spirit than they are of hell and I thought oh that's man, that's that's pretty rough right there but we have been in a lot of ways we've been frightened by the Holy Spirit and what he does but I want you to know that today we're going to spend some time, and I'm going to move kind of fast today because there's so much to talk about when it comes to this, but we're going to come back next week, and we're going to come back next week, and we're going to come back the next week, and we're going to continue talking about this. But I want you to understand that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a counselor. We're talking about an advocate. We're talking about a guide, someone that is with us. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit and his active work in our life and us being to listen to him is usually the answer to most of the problems and the solutions that you have in your spiritual life. If you're someone sitting there and going, man, my faith has kind of gone dry. Or maybe you're here and you go, my worship seems boring to me. And that's why I'm telling you it's your worship that may be boring to you, right? And you may go, I'm, I'm not feeling God's presence and I'm having a hard time connecting and I'm not understanding exactly what God wants me to do. I want you to know the answer to all of those is a direct understanding and relationship with the Holy Spirit of God I don't know how many times I've had people come in and they want to talk to me and they go here's what's going on in my life and here's what's happening and I'm having a hard time and I want to go the answer is the Holy Spirit are you listening to the Holy Spirit of God is he active in your life are you walking in him are you living in him are you filled with him and that is the answer to nearly all of our problems we want to be a church that believes the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus when in John 16 7 he said very truly I tell you it is for your good that I'm going away unless I go away the advocate that's the word for the Holy Spirit there that's one of his names will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you now I want you to know you may feel the same way I do and the same way that maybe the disciples did there is the idea of it's good for Jesus to go so that you get the Holy Spirit my first reaction is I don't know that that's a good trade if I could have the actual living Jesus Christ walking with me in my life where I could follow him and I could see him and I could see what he's doing I don't know if I'd want to trade that especially for something that we have a hard time grasping and we have a hard time understanding and so oftentimes we don't understand him we tend to look at the Father, God the Father, and we go, I know, he loves me, he's creator, he's the one that made me, and there's concrete there. I know Jesus, he's the one that walked on this earth and showed what it's like to heal and to love and to actually save people. And I get that, that's concrete. And then we get to the Holy Spirit and we're like, I don't know what that is. It's kind of like 
it's a, a phantom of some sort. It's an alien. It's a vapor from Ghostbusters in some way. And it's almost like if we could grab hold of it and put it almost in this little glass box, we would all stand around and stare at it and go, what is it? And what does it do? And what happens if you poke it? And, you know, we, we just don't know. And so we stand to kind of look at the Holy Spirit and we wonder about the Holy Spirit. But what we want to do is spend some time together right now finding out what happens when we actually walk with the Holy Spirit and understanding and believing Jesus when he said, it's actually better if you have him. It's better. We want that. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus' weird little brother. Okay? He is God. And so with that... We are going to spend some time talking about what it means to be with him. Too often, I think, what we've thought to ourselves is to go, hey, look, I really don't want to talk about this Holy Spirit stuff. I really don't want to dive into that. I just want to follow Jesus. And i got to tell you, you can't. You can't. You can't just follow Jesus, and you can't just be his disciple without the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. We are incapable of being the disciples we want to be without the guidance and without the direction of the Holy Spirit. We're missing the point otherwise. It's not an option. It's part of what it is. So here's our goal over the next few weeks, and in particular, <clears throat> our uh, text for today. It's short, but I want you to see it. It's from 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 13, verse 14. This is Paul's final words to the church in Corinth that he's talking to, and this is the way he ends it, and this just sums it up so well. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What a wonderful prayer and what a wonderful thing for all of us that we would know the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and we would have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That word fellowship is also seen in a lot of ways as like communion. In some of your translations, it may say that. May the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. And I love that. That sort of communion, fellowship, partnership of the Holy Spirit. This is a relationship. That's what this is. This is something we're sharing together. That word, that Greek word about that sharing and communion and fellowship means that we have a relationship. There's a back and forth that happens here. That we're actually listening to one another. That we're in communion with one another. That there's a bonding that's happened. Right? You know that there are people in your life that you've had communion and that you have had fellowship with, and you need to know when you do that, one of the things that happens is when I'm in communion and fellowship with people, I'm changed. I'm different. It affects me. Depending on who you're around, for the better, for the worse. Right? It can do that. For instance, I went off to college and had the bright idea to move in with my two cousins. Okay? One that was a year older than me and one that was a year younger than me. That's who I was in communion with. That was who I spent time with. That's who we talked about. We came up with ideas together. We did things together, and we were idiots, okay? We brought out the idiot in each other. That was part of our communion together. My dad would say every time you add another one to the list, you divide their total IQ by half. So by the time there was three of us, we came up with some horrible ideas in communion together, in fellowship. The fellowship of me and my two moron cousins came up with ideas like, you know what we need to do? Let's go skydiving this weekend. We can do it. And we did. It was also the guys that got together and go, you know what we could do? We could make a, a coffee table in our house made of plexiglass, and we could keep six live rattlesnakes inside of it. It would be great. And we did. We were idiots. This is the fellowship I had. 
This was who I was in communion with. These were the people that we had goals together. Horrible, dumb goals. <laughs> Bless my heart. <laughs> and then I met Melissa. Yes, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. And I was changed. All of a sudden, I wasn't caring so much about my fellowship with my cousins. I was caring about my fellowship with that woman and my communion with her, my fellowship with her, spending time with her. And that time together, as we spent together, it changed me. I became a different person. Thank the Lord. Yes, we're all there together. I had a different way of looking at things. I became a better person. I became a different person. I was not so selfish anymore. I was not so careless anymore. I was not as dumb as I used to be. And then we got married and we had kids. Then I had a fellowship of a whole family. I had communion with my family. We had goals of who we wanted to be. And it changed things for me. I didn't want to do dangerous things anymore. And I didn't want to just react for my own enjoyment and just listen to my flesh. Skydiving I wanted to do with my cousins did not come up when I had my family. This communion that I had then, it did not feed my selfishness. It did not feed my anger or my frustration, my feelings of fairness, my ideas of conditional love. None of those things were fed anymore. I was a new entity because I had communion with new people and in a new way. I was changed I got married, and I was having communion and fellowship in a different way. But here's the deal. Outside of Christ, even that's going to be a failure. Outside of the Holy Spirit, that cannot exist in a way that honors God. So our goal for the next few weeks is we want to have communion with the Holy Spirit. We want to learn how to do that. We want to desire the Holy Spirit. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to run through a few things real quick. Some misconceptions. Number one, here's what we need to remember. The Holy Spirit is God. It's God. Okay? It's not a force. It's not a phantom. It's not any other Star Wars words. It's not the Bible. Okay? The Word of God, and we taught this back in the old days, was that the Bible was actually the Holy Spirit. That was wrong. We misunderstood. The Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person of God. And as God, we should desire him. And we should desire all of him. Every bit that he has for us. Here's the next thing. As God, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, he's not weird. Okay? I almost wanted to entitle my sermon that. The Holy Spirit's not weird. It's not a weird thing. It's not a strange thing. We don't need to be afraid of him. We don't need to be afraid of the idea of being filled with the Spirit or walking with the Spirit. We don't need to be afraid of that because he's God. He is God. We're walking with God. We're being filled with God. I know a lot of us, I have felt this way before, is go, being filled with the Spirit, that mean i got to act weird? Yeah. If you consider sacrificing everything to be uh, expanding the kingdom of God, being filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, yeah, you'll act weird that way. You'll be a different person. But we don't need to be afraid of what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have these misunderstandings about him so much, right? There's this idea that we have with the Holy Spirit is go, yeah, yeah okay. I'd like to listen to him. I'd like for him to help me in some way. I'd like to, for on occasion for him to do some cool stuff that I could talk about. But I don't want to be filled with him. That feels almost like a lack of control. It's like possession. The Holy Spirit does not possess you, okay? 
Even if we belong to Christ and he comes and he dwells in us, in us, he does not take control of your body and move you around in ways that you don't want to. Okay, The Holy Spirit, we're going to find, whispers to us. You have to be quiet to be able to hear what he says. Some of us, we've seen some stuff. We've seen the Holy Spirit abused in some ways, and that's one of the reasons maybe that sometimes we get a little nervous about him and we keep him at arm's length. We don't understand him. We've seen people use on TV, TV preachers, who have used the Holy Spirit to manipulate people for money. Holy Spirit's telling you to write a check and to send it in right now for this much money, and this is what will happen to you. That's abuse of the Holy Spirit. That's not right, and that's not what we do, and that's not the way he operates. We've also seen people abuse the Holy Spirit in a way that they use him for carte blanche to do whatever they want. And I've seen people that are religious do that too and to go, I did this thing that seems wrong and that hurt these people because the Spirit told me to do it. And if I put the stamp the Spirit told me to do it, I can do whatever I want. And now I have license. We've also seen it, maybe sometimes I have, where people use it as an excuse to not prepare anything, Right? I could get up here and go, well, I didn't really write anything as a sermon this week. I'm going to let the Spirit guide me, which is a nice way of saying I didn't do anything this week, right? And then we go. And that's an abuse in some ways of the Holy Spirit, too. The Spirit works in preparation, as the old preacher I studied under said. Spirit works in preparation, too, you know. And yes, he does. Yes, he does. Sometimes we look at it and we get the idea that the Holy Spirit's going to make me act weird and I'm going to flap my arms and I'm going to jump on the floor and I'm going to do all that. You need to know again, the Holy Spirit does not take over your body and control you. That's not the way it works. He's much more gentle and it's much more of a whisper than we know. But with all of those things and some of the misperceptions that we have about him, they can frighten us, frankly. We can be people that are scared and so what happens is we try to keep him at arm's length. We actually resist the Holy Spirit in some ways. We go, listen, I, I want to belong to God. I want to follow Jesus, and I'd like a little sprinkling of the Holy Spirit every now and again when I need it. And you need to know that's not the way he operates. He doesn't operate as a little bit of salt on top of the rest of your spiritual life. He dwells in you, and he's part of you. And we should desire that. We should want that as people who follow God. You can have confidence and know that if the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you're walking in the Spirit and you're filled with the Spirit, that you'll be doing what God wants you to do. Here's another thing. Since he is God, we should love him. We should love the Holy Spirit. Not just obey him, not just have him tell us what to do. We should actually love him. In Scripture where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that includes God the Father, that includes Jesus the Son, that includes the Holy Spirit. You should love the Holy Spirit with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And I don't know that we know to do that. We get the idea I'm supposed to listen. We get the idea that I'm supposed to obey. But we don't always know that we are supposed to love him. He's the presence of the Father and the Son in our lives too. And so having all three of those and loving all three of those just makes us better followers of our God. Here's another one. As he is God, he loves us. You need to know that too. You are loved by the Holy Spirit. He's not just an entity that floats out there and every now and again will give you a direction on what to do. He loves you. He's part of God. And God loves you. And so the Holy Spirit loves you. The Holy Spirit wants to be with you because he loves you. His desire to be near you and to indwell in you and to help you in your walk and to be part of you forever is because he loves you. 
He is advocate. He is counselor. He is helper. He sacrifices for us. He does all of this out of the love that he has for you. Not just because he's robotic, robotically obeying the Father. The Holy Spirit loves you, and he's a gift. A gift that is given to you out of love. That's why you have him. It's because he was given to you out of love. We start talking about gift, and I know immediately people go, okay, here we go. This is the spicy part. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are we going to get into that or are we going to talk about it? We'll talk about that at some point, right? But I don't want us to jump to that because usually what we do is we start talking about the Holy Spirit and then go, well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we get to the end. And I want you to know that's jumping to the wrong part. The gift is the Holy Spirit. He's the gift. You get his presence. You get him. We shouldn't be worrying about what comes from that until we worry about making sure that we know he's right there and we belong to him and he's ours. He is the gift. In Luke 11, 11 through 13, this is what Jesus says himself. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, will your father in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? He is a gift of father and son and spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. His presence during our journey as disciples is a gift. And this scripture from Jesus says it's not only a gift, it's the best gift. If you want to compare it with other gifts, this is the best one that you can have. That's why we should want all of him and whatever he has for us. Anything he has for you is good because he's a gift and he loves us. Here's another one. As God, you need to know the Holy Spirit has always been there. He's always been there. He is not new to the game. He is not a sub for Jesus. This was not Jesus going, I'm tired of being here, sending the righty, I need somebody to take over for me. That's not it. The Holy Spirit has always been here. From the beginning of time and to the end of time, he is always here. He was here at creation. If you look in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, you will see from the very beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. He was there at creation. When we see that in the beginning, Elohim, Elohim, that is plural for God. That is the three of them together as one God were there. He was there at the beginning of time for us. He was there hovering over chaos to be the one who helps make order out of chaos. To help make the world the way that it's supposed to be. And that's still what he does in us. He was with Jesus from the beginning. You need to know he, had, he was what uh, gave Jesus the power to do the will of God when Jesus was on this earth. As a matter of fact, Jesus' first sermon in a synagogue when he went back to Nazareth, his own town, in Luke 4, 18 and 19, this is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus power to be able to do that. And Jesus is claiming what Isaiah claimed hundreds of years before when Isaiah said, the Holy Spirit's on me to tell you what God says. And then Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's on me to tell you what God says. And now we have the Holy Spirit 
to be able to tell people, this is what God says. That's how he works. Jesus was claiming the presence of the Spirit of God in his life, just like Isaiah did, to tell the words of God. He has guided Abraham on his journey. The Holy Spirit was there at the incarnation of Jesus into a human being. The Holy Spirit was who led Jesus into the wilderness to fast. The Holy Spirit was at the cross. The Holy Spirit was the power behind the resurrection. The Holy Spirit was there when you were drawn to become a believer and to finally give your life to Christ and belong to him. It's always been there. He'll always be there. That's the next part. As God, you need to know, it's not that he's always been here. He will always be here. He is a permanent companion for you. This communion that we're supposed to have will last forever. That's the promise. John 14, 15 through 18, it says, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That is the promise of our Savior. You will have the communion with us, God, through the Holy Spirit forever. And sometimes we misunderstand what that looks like. We don't quite understand the idea of him coming and dwelling in us at salvation. You need to know the reason he comes to dwell in you and to make his home there and to abide in you is so that you remember you are not abandoned by God. Jesus didn't come and live here on this earth for 33 years and then ascend into heaven and go, that's it, you guys are on your own. He said, I'm leaving you something. I'm leaving you something so you will know. I'll always be with you, even till the end of the time. That's the Holy Spirit's presence. It's God with us and in us. We learn to walk with him. We can see him if you learn to look for him. He's a helper who is alongside us. He's with us. He wants to encourage you in your walk. He wants to show you how to better be God's person, how to better be a disciple. And here's the other part. He doesn't just visit us on occasion to dazzle us and then disappear. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will dazzle you sometimes. There's times, and you may be thinking about that right now, is to go, I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it blew my mind. I heard that from some people that were here praying, right? But you need to know, that's not really his role, is to show up and dazzle you and disappear. Our time in being dwelt in and being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with the Spirit should not be marked only by a few amazing encounters with the Holy Spirit, but instead by a daily presence and a walk. You can see him every day. Wouldn't that be something if what I did was tell you, you know, I'm married to Melissa, and man, I've had these amazing encounters with her three different times over 30 years. One time she did this, and then one time she did... No. My relationship with her is not based on the best trips that we ever took or the neatest times that we ever had together. I have a relationship with my wife where we have walked together for 30 years. That's her presence. She doesn't just show up and dazzle me and disappear. She dazzles me every day, right? Mm. I took a shot. I took a shot. I want to tell you with that, sometimes we do, we look at that and we go, here's how the Holy Spirit works. He shows up and he does this amazing thing, and that was awesome. And it's like I can count these times off. Let me, let me tell you something that's been really neat. Here's something that's been really neat that is true. 
okay, about our 48 hours of prayer. So we set that up on Thursday evening. There were several of us up here, and we were setting it up. And then I leave, and uh, we were having dinner with a neighbor, and I get a call. <laughs> I get a call from Caitlin. I hope it's okay if I tell this. I'm going to you. And, and, and she calls me, and she goes, okay, I just want to tell you that after you left, I sat in there by myself, and I started praying to God, and immediately it started raining. Now, she's saying, I'm not saying I'm responsible for that. I'm just saying the room works, right? <laughs> and I was like, there you go. But wasn't that neat is the idea of going, hey, I started praying, and then it started raining, and it was so neat. Jana mentioned at one point, I left here after praying, and I was watching the sunset, and she sent us a picture of it. And she goes, look at this. I think this is something from God for us to look at. And then if I can, I'd like to read to you a beautiful prayer that was sent to us from one of our sisters who sat in there and, and prayed for a while. Here's what she says. To be honest, I'm not much of a signs and wonders girl, right? That's, that's sometimes how we talk about the Holy Spirit. Probably from my very staunch upraising. But I prayed all the way here this morning to have an open heart and an open mind and to hear and do whatever God wanted. As I'm praying quietly and meditating on the prayer prompts and some of my own prayers for our church, for you, I keep thinking this needs to be a place where people feel closer to God than they've ever felt before. And I started praying that over and over, first in my head, and then I was whispering, and then I noticed that I was speaking it out in a full voice there in the chapel. God, let this be a place where we have never felt closer to you, where we lean into you more than ever, where we trust you more than ever, where we heal more, where we forgive more. Within these walls, make this a place where we have never felt closer to you, an unexplainable closeness that can only come from you. And that's when I heard the loud thunder and the lightning start crashing outside. She said, for a non-signs and wonders girl, that was a huge sign. A God wink, if you will, for me to know he's there. What a wonderful prayer. Thank you for praying that for our church. Wonderful prayer. I want you to understand something about this. The lightning, the thunder, the rain, the sunset, all of these things, these are not unique things. People see them all the time. These are things that God always provides. But the Holy Spirit of God will come and go, I've opened your eyes to see this different. Do you see the provision of God? Do you see that when you pray and ask whether or not I'm here and for my presence, that all of a sudden your eyes will be open to a sunset you always see, but you go, God made that. God provided that. He's here. He's powerful. The rain starts falling. We have seen rain all the time. The rain's not different. We're different. All of a sudden we have different eyes. We see the rain falling. We go, look, the presence of God that we prayed for rain for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? Lord, send it to us. The rain's not different when you lean into the Holy Spirit. You're different. You see things different. You see God everywhere. You're reminded we only get water that falls from the sky through the grace of our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of that. And when you're in tune with him and when you're filled with him, then what happens is you start attributing the things of God to God. You go, yeah, that's him. That's him doing what he does. God doesn't change. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave and come back. All of a sudden you have different eyes and you see things in a different way. And in that promise you need to know, he says too, you need to know the world won't see him. They won't see the Holy Spirit like you do. It'll be different. 
Because you need the Spirit to be able to see what's happening here. They're not going to know him. They're not going to understand him. They're not, going to value, they're not going to value him. But you need to know for us, just like the Father loves you and the Son loves you, the Holy Spirit loves you and wants to show you he's here with you. So here's the interesting thing about this. Um, and I know this whole journey, this whole idea of us seeking his way, is hard for those of us that are concrete thinkers. For those of us that go, hey, listen, tell me where I'm going, tell me how to get there, and tell me when to leave, and tell me how long this is going to take. And I know what we're doing right now is saying we're going to go and we're going to ask God, and we're going to ask God to leave. That's hard. That's hard. I'm, I, I have hard times with that because I want to know with that. I want to know what that looks like. It doesn't feel very concrete. So here's what I'm going to do, this gift for those of us who need concrete. Let me give you some concrete things about the Holy Spirit, okay? I know that this can feel kind of ethereal, and you go, it kind of feels like a vapor, and if I try and get my hands around it, I can't really do it. So here are some things that are concrete. Number one, walking and being filled with the Holy Spirit is the end game. That's what we want. That's what we're trying to do. It is the means, and it is the end. It's the means because the Holy Spirit guides us. It is the end because we will be in touch with and walking with our God. That's the end. Listen, if we come up at the end of this and we have this neat idea for ministries and stuff like that, fine. But if we come out of this where what we're doing is we're being led daily and we're walking in the Spirit and we're filled with the Spirit of God and we're closer to the one who loves us the most and the one that we love the most, we will have arrived. That's the end. Only good will come from that. Only good. There's nothing bad that can come from us walking closer in the Spirit of God because He will guide us to the things that please our Heavenly Father. He will show us how to be a better disciple. Only good things will come from that. And we need to make sure that we understand that. That is concrete. We should be trying to stay right next to him and being with him as a follower no matter where we go with this instead of trying to figure out where we're going to go. And that's part of it is we want to go, where are we going to go? I don't know. I know who I'm going with. That's what matters. We go with him. We're close to him. We're right next to him. When he says, abide in me, this is what he means. I sent the Holy Spirit to show you how to walk right next to me, holding on to me. And wherever we end up, I promise you, it'll be the right place. It'll be good. You imagine that because we get, we get so interested in the destination. Imagine what that would have been like if Jesus came to his disciples and he said, hey, come follow me. Drop your nets from being a fisherman. Come follow me. And where we're going to end up is in three years on the hill of Golgotha. That's where we'll be. Okay? First of all, they go, that doesn't sound like a good place. I know what happens there. Second of all, if any of them are like me, they'd have gone, well, I'm just going to go ahead. I'll cut out the middleman and make good time. I'll meet you there. And I would have headed off and ended up there. And then what happens, if you think about that, is they went straight there instead of following Jesus through all of this, and they'd all still be there at the same place. But here's the deal. They would have missed out on being a disciple. They would have missed out on the relationship. They wouldn't have known what it's like to walk with Jesus for three years. They'd have just been, ended up being at the end of the place, and they would not have been changed. This is the, the thing. I don't want God to tell us yet where we're going. I want us to feel God's presence. I want us to walk with him. I want us to trust. I want us to hold on tight. I want to know, no matter what, if we hang on to him, if we keep praying the prayers 
oh, the prayers that y'all said and that you wrote down, if we keep praying those prayers, we'll end up in the right place. I promise. It can only be good. The end game is not what we deem as successful ministry because when we do that and we try and go, what does successful ministry look like? We start looking at numbers. We start looking at how excited people are, that sort of thing. We put our own lens on what that looks like. And oftentimes that we feel that whatever we decide to do as a church, that when we do it because we want to do it and it works out and something good happens, well, that must have been the Holy Spirit. What we do is we look back and go, success, that was the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is start because it's backwards to look at something and go, I see value in it, therefore the Holy Spirit was there. Instead, what we want to do is go, let's learn how to listen and let's learn how to walk with God's spirit in this world and then know that wherever he leads us, it's going to be the right place. Here's another concrete thing for you. Walking in and with the spirit is the only way that we're going to be able to do the will of God. You cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. You may think you can, you can't. You'll mess it up, and so will I. It will end up being my fleshly desire. It will end up being something that I want to do and something that I enjoy instead of it being the will of God through the Holy Spirit. We have to have him. It is the Holy Spirit that ignites the passion in us to do what expands the kingdom of God. And if it is not from the Spirit, we don't want it. We shouldn't want it. We'll mess it up. And you know this. You've seen this before. There's been times probably where you've read Scripture in the Bible and you go, I've read this a hundred times and then all of a sudden I saw X. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. Or you feel something and you've been praying, God, guide me in some way, and then you end up going, I feel this draw. I need to work in this place. I need to teach children in this way. And you go, that's the Holy Spirit. I had a wonderful conversation with another one of our sisters just recently who came in and said, I've been praying and I've been praying, and here's what the Lord has put on my heart. Young moms. I want to be an encouragement to young moms. I remember what it was like being a young mom. And I remember the encouragement that I needed because it's so hard to make sure you know. And you go, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. See, she didn't come up with that on her own. That idea of going, I would like to sacrifice and I would like to work and I would like to put my passion, that fire is stoked by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it Otherwise, we have to have that. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came to rest on him and was with him throughout all of his work. He empowered Jesus to do the mission of the Father in this world, and that's what he does for us. He empowers you to do the mission of God in this world. The Lord is in his holy temple. You are the holy temple, and the Lord dwells in you through the Holy Spirit and our call is, as disciples is to follow Jesus doing the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. All three of those we have to have together. I'm going to say that again. Our call as disciples is to follow Jesus to do the will, doing the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not to do church things. It's to do that. Now, if you're new to us and you go, what in the world? is he talking about? I want to tell you a little bit about how this works. When we give our life to Christ, when you make a decision and you say, I'm going all in on Jesus, what happens is he gives you this gift and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and it will live in you forever. You got to learn to listen to it. It doesn't possess your body. You have to listen to it. But even if you haven't made that decision yet, if you haven't decided to give your whole life to Christ, you need to know 
He's still active in your life. It's not being withheld from you. As a matter of fact, he's probably the reason you're sitting there. If you've ever felt a draw where you go, there's something inside me that makes me know I need God and I'm not sure I know what it is. Or if you've come in here before and you go, I came and I sat and as I heard the words of God and I heard songs being sung, I was moved to tears and I don't know why. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. That is your heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit calling to you, drawing you, saying you belong back in your Father's house. That's what He does. That's the way He works. And while you may not even be a complete believer and you may be sitting there going, I don't even know if I believe all of this. I get it. But God is still drawing you. He's calling you. And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. What we would love is if you are ready to give your life to Christ, you can have him all the time. He'll always be there. He'll always guide you. He'll always show you the direction to follow Christ and to have the best life that you can, a fulfilling, content life in this world and in eternity with your Heavenly Father. That's what he does. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute and we're going to pray. So here's what I'd like to ask. If you would stand, please. We're going to take a few moments to pray. I would like to invite you, if you need to spend some time in prayer with the Holy Spirit, uh, you can pray right there at your, at your place. I would encourage you, pray to the Holy Spirit. You know, we feel comfortable praying to the Father. We feel comfortable praying to the Son. I don't know if I'm supposed to pray to the Holy Spirit. He's God. Yes, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. He is God. So you can do that. We'd like to invite you, if you need to do some confession of maybe, you know, Holy Spirit, I have kept you at arm's length. I have been afraid of you. I have tried to keep you away from me. I haven't understood you. Come and do that. There will be elders and ministers around. Come and pray with us. If you have some time of confession, he draws you to that. If there's times that you want to just uh, spend listening, then spend listening uh, to the Holy Spirit there. So we're going to pray, and uh, we'll have a few songs uh, and, and time to listen and reflect on the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you so much for the people here of this church. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have blessed us over these last 48 hours. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that is always here. And Lord, help us to see him more clearly every day in the things that you call us to. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.